Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. How you doing, Marshall? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Just Good. working on working on my coffee here and waking up. Yeah, so th- I've not had a cup of coffee yet. Right. This is, I've started one. Yep. But I've not had one. And so, sans coffee, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Trinity. Yeah. Yeah, because we're just pros like that. <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying before, this is the height of arrogance. The height of arrogance, yeah. 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 So we are on question three hmm. in the New City Catechism. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how many persons are there in God? Yeah. I'm going to take a drink. You knock this one out. <laughs> well, Well, the first thing we generally do when we ask this question or when we present this question is the why the question. Yeah. Why is it a good question? Yeah. Well, I think when we examine New Testament teaching, Mm -hmm. there are a number of passages which point to the deity of Christ and the deity of the spirit. And that can be confusing in relationship to maybe some passages in the old Testament that talk about the unity of God. Right. And and it's a and it's a question that a lot of people get hung up on and a lot of people have gotten wrong in the past. Oh yeah. So it's kind of an important thing to wrap our minds around early on in this journey through the catechism. Yeah, because it it's something unique to the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. So other others don't believe it. They they can't understand it. Mm-hmm. Islam has mm-hmm. nothing to do with this. Yep. This is a primary issue of division between us and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is also an issue for the Mormons. Yep. Right? So so those uh, those groups that would use our same text... For the most part. By and large. They like to switch it up here and there. Yeah. I mean, the Mormons... The Mormons have their own set of texts apart from the Bible, right. and the Bible is rarely, if ever, mm. acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, it has it has basically worked its way to the edge of the table. Maybe not fallen off the table, but it's at the edge of the table. Right. Uh, and the Jehovah's Witness have uh, come up with their own translation. Right. Um, because it serves them better. Yeah. Um, well, it's very similar to translation, except for any passage is. that refers to the deity of Christ. Right. <laughs> it, which is a Trinitarian right. issue, right? Because they're Arianists. They mm-hmm. would not say that. Uh, but but they Charles Taz Russell was not the first to come up with this concept. He's the father of what became the Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also my senior project in university. Oh, really? His biography, yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, and, uh, and so he was not, he was not the first to come up with this idea. The Gnostics way back had these divisions. It was discussed at Nicaea. You know what? One thing that, one thing that every pastor loves is St. Nicholas, Arius, and Nicaea. Oh yeah. The showdown. But there's never, there's never a good time in a Christmas service to tell the story Right. Do you want to tell the story? Well, it's not a very long story. It's not. Essentially, at the Council of Nicaea, where there is this large group of Christian leaders who have 
been called to come together to hash out some of the theological issues of the day. The primary question was regarding like who Jesus was. Right. Right. The whole homoousios and homoousios or whatever. I butchered that. But anyways, you know, mm-hmm. is is he of a similar substance of God or is he of the same substance of God? Right. And Arius was arguing that Jesus was a created being. Right. Had a beginning in time. He mm-hmm. was, you know, a, you know, apart from God, a, a supreme being, but he was not an equal with God in the same way that that we would believe. And so St. Nicholas, who, you know, was known for his charity. Ho, ho, ho. And, and yeah, and has become popular in, you know, popular culture nowadays, uh, either punched or slapped him in the face. Yeah. And there are, there are actually like frescoes and like works of art that depict this episode in history of St. Nicholas just like beating on Arius. <laughs> he became so frustrated with this heretic. Um, he punched him in the face. So. And so depending on what circle you run in, mm-hmm. once Christmas rolls around, my Facebook feed is full of theology and church history nerds. Yeah, with yeah. all of these memes yeah. of, what would you like for Christmas, little boy? <laughs> there was one that was like, I came here to give gifts to children and punch heretics, and I'm all out of gifts. Right. <laughs> right. So there you go. Interesting there you Interesting St. Nicholas fact of the day. Yep. You're welcome, everyone. Yeah. If you didn't already know that. Uh, my youth group thought it was hilarious. They love it. Um, yeah, it'll change the way you look at Santa Claus. Yeah, but so so, but we say all that. Uh, but to mention that, like, these are important questions. Obviously, Saint Nicholas thought it was an important enough question, right? <laughs> and and a lot of people have got these questions wrong in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, in the the series that I'm going through, a, a book that I'm working through with the youth group, actually, the chapter on the Trinity, he talks about the analogies that people use to describe the Trinity, and what he what he kind of entitles the the chapter is the stuff accidental heretics are made out of. Awesome. Right? Because people try to explain the Trinity by using these analogies because they believe they're helpful. And maybe, maybe to some small degree they are, but the problem is you carry those analogies out and they inadvertently become heretical. Yeah, I, I, later on when we get into it, we're going to talk about Gregory, who was also at Nicaea. Okay. And uh, what he has to say about that use of imagery. Yeah. So why does it matter? It matters because this is God. Yeah. This is what he has revealed to us about himself. Mm-hmm. And people got questions. Yeah. So that's why the question matters. Some possible answers. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw a few big words around. But I'm just gonna give some. Hey, pe- you're paying. You're paying tuition at a Bible college. <laughs> I best a Bible college and seminary. I best know a few. You a few words. you got to put that money to use. <laughs> so um, the first word I'll introduce to people is adoptionism. Mm. So so ad- adoptionism is the idea that Jesus was a normal human being, but through his righteousness earned the favor of God and was adopted as his son at that whole scene when he's going to be baptized and the Holy Spirit comes down and it's like right. he was not the son of God and then he was the son of God because he was just a really, really good boy. Yeah. That's adoptionism. A heresy that goes as far back as the Middle Ages? Yeah. 
Uh, maybe further. I'm just aware of it as a middle-aged heresy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I am not an exhaustive encyclopedia yeah. on the history of heresy. Yeah. Uh, but also being taught in our town. We yeah. know for a fact yeah. by a church that would call itself a Bible-believing uh, evangelical church. Yeah, which was surprising when we when you showed me the sermon and I was blown away. Yeah, I, I was too. It wasn't like I was checking up. I listened to the other pastors in town Yep. just because we're friends. I want to hear what they're up to. Flipped it on just out of curiosity and uh, fell out of my chair. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the next one is something we already mentioned, that the whole idea of Arianism, mm-hmm. which is that Jesus is a created being. So he's like a, a perhaps divine but created being had a beginning in time was not co-eternal with God. Right. Right. Is not, it is not the same thing as God. He's led perhaps a, a really good picture of who God is, uh, but he is not himself divine. Right. Um, yeah. And this is where the Jehovah's witness fall. Yep. Uh, the Jehovah's witness. I, I have their sort of training manual, the reasoning of scriptures okay. that was used for a very long time. Uh, and it explains, so, so the, one of the questions that I have on this is, how do you get past John 1-1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right. Uh, they have a, what is on the surface a reasonable argument, but with after the third or fourth week of Greek, you realize, okay, this is the Arnethorus Mm-hmm. Uh, article, and so or Arnithrus noun, which doesn't need an article, mm-hmm. uh, and so so all of that's to say it's it's a it's an interpretation of the Greek that does not exist in anyone else's interpretation of the Greek, mm-hmm. and yet they claim this doctrine. Here's what people need to know about that, because they love to play this card. And and two things you need to know about working with a Jehovah's Witness on this. One, be careful. They know their stuff. They have been well indoctrinated. Jehovah's Witness are better educated in the falsehoods of their own doctrine mm-hmm. than most Christians are in the truth. Yeah. That's unfortunate, but it is reality. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, they held this doctrine— before they held to that interpretation. Hmm. In the reasonings of Scripture, the book that they have that explains to their people, this is why we believe this, and this is how you present it to other people, it says, we are not the first to interpret it this way. And they reference this obscure Bible translation. So I researched this Bible translation, took forever, even in an internet age, to find it. Okay. I found it, and I found the history that went with it. An Anglican bishop, way back in the day, mm-hmm. for his own Bible study, yeah. translated the New Testament Nice. as his way of working through Scripture. Mm-hmm. He died, never intending to publish it, Mm-hmm. It was purchased by an Aryan society 
who wanted an Aryan Bible. So this was all taking place in England. Uh, an Aryan society in London purchases this from his belongings post-mortem, changes his translation of John 1.1, 1, 1, but at least, at least had the decency to footnote that they had changed it. Wow. And that is the reference that the Jehovah's Witness used to say, we're not the first to do this. Outside of that, an openly Aryan group who took a one-man translation that translated it correctly, and then they changed it and footnoted the change. Outside of that, no one has ever translated that passage that way. Yeah. So there you go. And that's the crutch they stand on. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, Arianism, it's, uh, it's alive and well. Yeah. Um, there are the Enuma Tomachians. This is a bit of an obscure one, but essentially what they believe is that Christ is divine. Right. So they got that down. Uh, but the spirit is a creation of the sun right. and is purely subservient to the sun mm-hmm. in all things. Um, so they got, they're two for three, um, but still not, uh, not, not where they need to be. Uh, Patri- oh, passionism. Okay, so this one is weird. This is like the father and the son are not distinct at all. So they're, they're not distinct persons. So they are like the in every way, the same being and the same person within that being. So the, essentially, the father suffered on the cross with the son. Right. Which is like, no, that's not that's not how it went down. Right. It, it's a it's a variation of modalism in that way. Yeah. Well, modalism's kind of like we'll it, we'll get into modal. Let's let's okay. talk about after this. Let's talk about the different things that people try to use. Yes. And we'll throw modalism. Okay. In there. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so then the last one I'll just throw out there is tritheism. So that's, that's like making them so distinct that they're like three separate gods. Right. It's like we got three different, completely distinct gods and we're going to worship them as entirely distinct things. And that you don't necessarily see happen on a super, like, I'm not familiar with any Christian groups that really propose that but that does have a way of sometimes sneaking its way into our thinking at times mm-hmm. when we forget the the unity of the godhead no i i agree and, and i i read a thing once that that talked about the danger of emphasis mm. and how various branches of christianity have uh unnatural emphasis and so the argument was that mainline churches Mm-hmm. Put all of their emphasis on God the Father, right? And it develops this work base uh, mentality, right? Because they lose the spirit in Christ mm-hmm. in in putting a hyper focus. Uh, that we in the evangelical world, by and large, put all of our focus on Christ, right? And for that, we lose the fact that Christ came to point us to the Father, mm. right? And you'll even have people pray. And when Jesus says, pray like this, our Father, they pray to Jesus. Yeah, don't pray. Uh, And just this sort of like, Jesus tells us very clearly multiple times over, read the Gospel of John, and it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. I came not to say what I had to say, but to bring to you the message of the Father. Right. Right? It always points back to the Father, and we lose that in uh, a a hyper-focus on Christ. We also lose the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Charismaticism does the hyper-focus on the Spirit. Mm-hmm. 
And in that, they lose the authority of uh, the Scripture. They can lose in that uh, the fact that atonement has been paid for by Christ mm-hmm. and God's wrath has been satisfied. Mm-hmm. And everything becomes spontaneous mm-hmm. and uh, spirit-led, the feels kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. we lose the three. And, yeah. and where, where we will rest in sound doctrine is in an appropriate positioning of the three as one mm-hmm. yeah no that's true that's great so uh why don't we talk then about some of these analogies that people okay. like to use all right and so i i mentioned gregory uh this is this is from the fourth century and uh so so gregory is is dealing with people who come at him to say um Show me. I, I don't understand how you can have three and one. Mm. It doesn't make sense. One plus one plus one is one. It doesn't make sense. Uh, and so this is the argument that he gives. He says, "What then uh, is this? Is the spirit God? Certainly. Is he consubstantial? Yes, if he is God. Present me then someone." Uh, may say, with two things from the same source, one a son, the other not a son, but, despite that, of the same substance, and I get God plus God. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's their argument. Right. Show me show me how this exists. His answer is, yes, and you give me one more God, and grant me God's nature, and I will present you with the same trinity, along with the same names and realities. If there is one God, one supreme nature, where can I find an analogy to show you? Hmm. In other words, if we are going to say, there is no one like our God, then I cannot say this thing is like God. Yeah, every analogy is going to fall short. Right, it is... It is not a cop-out to say God holds a unique nature as God. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, so, and so I know, like, at this point, there's a chance that, that listeners are going, yeah, but I got this one. It's real good. It's good. Yeah. Um, possibly, <laughs> unlikely, <laughs> let's go over some major ones. Okay. All right. There's the famous one from St. Patrick. Okay. Right. The one clover with the three leaves. They're all, you know, they're all part of the same clover, but they all have their different leaves. Yeah. Um, in, in the same way that you, what was that show where all of the different superheroes came together? The and Power made, Rangers. Made the mega bot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Their little vehicles would come together. Right. But the problem is, is that none of those pieces none of those leaves on the clover are in and of themselves an entire clover right right so they're just parts of god right and that there are three is just circumstantial yeah. you wouldn't say that about a tree yeah with its thousands and thousands of leaves yeah. and branches right now, to give patrick some credit i mean he was he was trying to explain something very difficult to sure. a pagan nation sure and you know and so uh, but yeah, but that ultimately, you know, we realize it falls short. Um, mm-hmm. An ancient one, one that um, came from like some of the early church fathers I, I read uh, a couple of years back was the idea of like a star that emanates light 
and mm-hmm. emanates heat. So like in this analogy, like the father was the star and the star then creates light and creates heat. Um, but then those things are just creations of the star. Like they're just a result of what the star is. Right. Right. They're not, they're, they're, they're secondary. The heat is not the star. The yeah. light is not yeah. the star. Yeah. They are byproducts. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? To be fair, I've dealt with that in the Holy Spirit realm. Like when people would say the Holy Spirit is the essence, mm. the lingering essence or the power of God, not its own person. And so they were Benetarian. Oh. Um, in that they would recognize Father and Son as Godhead. Mm-hmm. The Spirit is sort of the lingering essence. They were pneumatakians, pneumatomakians. Oh man, I got it. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Just look it up. Anyways, it's okay. It's okay because I absolutely wimped out of telling you which Gregory I was reading. <laughs> Think Gregory of Naz Nazianus 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 Maybe. Yeah. Just say it with conviction. Um. Yeah. The one okay, so the the analogy for me when I was younger in my faith that I kind of held to for a while, so I was like, "Oh, this is the one." That's the one. This is the one. I hope it's the egg. No, it oh. was it was the water. The water, one. okay. The water one. So like, God is H two O, but there is water vapor, and there is water liquid, and there is water in the form of ice, and depending on you know, but then but then you're like, okay, they're That's... all the same essence, that they all look dif- different, right? They're all the same chemical compound consubstantial right but you're saying that but the reality is you know whether water happens to be vapor liquid or ice has to do with the environment around it so then that substance is dependent on the things around it so it's just that water is different in different contexts right and that's modalism that's modalism it it cannot be all of those things at once yeah that's the that is a, a teaching that is that is a not an uncommon heresy. Yeah. That God was the Father. He left being the Father to come be the Son. Mm-hmm. And then he he stopped being the Son in order to be the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that transfer of modes makes for some really interesting <laughs> readings of the Gospels. <laughs> yeah. 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 Modalism, not a thing. The mm-hmm. egg? Yeah, the egg. The eggs. That it would be, that there would be the shell, mm-hmm. the yolk. And the white, mm-hmm. but all constitute an egg. It's partialism. Yeah, right. These are parts that constitute the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way, I maybe that uh, Saint Patrick's clover is also partialism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So these are all things. I mean, we've probably walked through some of the most common ones, and maybe you have another uh, Trinitarian analogy, uh, like a, like a family. Like a, yeah. like a dad, a mom, and a son or something. Like there's all these different analogies out there that exist. Um, if you think you got a really good one, feel free to email us. Yeah. I'd be curious to know. I mean, I... We've... You said the one about the dad. Like, I... It's still modalism, but I have heard people say, you know, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm also a husband, and I'm a son. But that's still modalism. Yeah. It's, it's still one being. Yeah. That is operating in different ways yeah in different because of the con like it's contingent upon the context right right so you're saying like well jesus is only like the sun is only the sun when this particular thing is happening and that's just not 
That's not consistent with the teaching of Scripture. So the Bible says... The Bible says... In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And at the end of Matthew, he says to baptize people in the name of, which means the authority of, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So this is a scriptural thing, although people will throw out the paper tiger, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? It's a word that we use to help us make sense mm-hmm. of what is there. There are a profound number of theological words <laughs> that are not in the Bible, Yeah, um, but that doesn't mean that, they're, that the teaching isn't there. We've just named the teaching. Right. That's yeah, exactly. the end of it. Uh, and so, so really, that argument is used way more often than it should. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a silly argument, but it's, it's used often. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Catechism says... There are three persons in the one true and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Three and one. Mm-hmm. I got an analogy for you. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. Let's hear it, Tim. <laughs> I wish I wish this podcast would have been on video so that people could have seen the response I got from you there. Oh, man. This isn't mine. Okay. I took this from a seminary prof who took it from someone else, um, but that's sort of how the chain goes. If each one is of the same substance, equal in power and glory— infinite Mm -hmm. in power and glory Mm -hmm. outside of time. Mm -hmm. In the same way, one would add infinity plus infinity plus infinity. The outcome would be infinite. That's true. And the subtraction of one does not deplete the others. Mm -hmm. And none of them add up to be something more than they were apart. They are not modes, there is not partialism. I'm sure that if we had syndication, people would write in and say, here's where you're wrong. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm saying it's the best one I've heard. Yeah. No, I, it's, that's a good way to, under, like, to understand like how a three and, three and one, each being infinite in and of themselves, yeah, I, I like I like that. How do you combine three without compounding? Yeah, only if they're infinite. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I like that. Good. Now I don't know what modern math the the fringes of modern math are are like these days. With I don't know how that works, but as far as my understanding of numbers go, <laughs> seems solid to me, Tim. Um, yeah. So, so why does it matter? Why does it matter? Well, because because. Well, Scripture te- teaches us this, right? And there, there are while each is, well, each person in the Godhead is equal in power and glory. Um, there are, there is, there are some differences in the emphasis of the role that they play in our lives. I would say. I think it's safe sure. to say yeah. that, right? And so, understanding the plurality within the unity right um or diversity within the unity i think is a is an important thing 
Mm-hmm. Actually, in the if you have the the version that's online or the app, when you look at the commentary on it, uh, I, I believe it's Kevin DeYoung has some. Kevin, that's what I was just about to say. Kevin DeYoung's write up is spot on. It's really, really, really good. He he essentially you don't have to read the whole thing, but like because it's it's long. But but there's a long, sim- but you could you could read it in five minutes. Yeah, that's true. We could have just read it. And then Instead of rambling on here, <laughs> and we could have saved everyone a good twenty-five minutes. So okay, so he has three points essentially. The first is that the Trinity helps us understand how there can be unity and diversity, right? So mm-hmm. so it's almost like an object lesson for you know in in a in a world where either unity or uniformity is overemphasized or diversity individualism is overemphasized. The, the Trinity can be a picture of how we are similar and yet different um, with within the context of community because this is a divine community, for lack of a better term, that has existed for all time. Um, and so that's kind of his first point. Mm-hmm. And he kind of escalates from there. He says the second is that um, in a triune God, you have eternality of love. Right. So there's there's a, a love relationship between Father, Son, Holy Spirit that has always existed there, right? There that the the that this relationship based on true love, a type of love that is that is almost impossible for us to understand as human beings, has always existed. That love is eternal, um, and you have the a God who is love, as John would say. Um, and then the, the the third thing, the most important thing. Uh, it's crucial because it's about knowing who God is, right? Right, and, and that's that's what I would really hammer home on. Yeah, that's the most important. The God of all the universe has decided to be known. Mm-hmm. Right, I I cannot get. I've probably read Spurgeon's sermon, the Bible, a dozen times, mm-hmm. and I just can't get over it. Mm-hmm. That God has full right to be ambiguous and to leave us thinking there must be something more, but what is it? Mm. But he's not chosen to be that way. He's chosen to reveal himself to us. This yeah. is what he has revealed. Yeah. So it matters to him. It should matter to us. Yeah. Yeah. No, amen. Yeah, that's totally it. Yeah. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go back and read Kevin DeYoung's stuff. No, Because there are also seven points. If you understand these seven points, you understand the Trinity. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so we won't give you that just so that you have to go look it up yourself. <laughs> Turn the iPad off just in case. There you go. I uh, anything else you want to add to the end of it? No, no, yeah. I just want to encourage people if they do have questions or concerns that they can feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to love to chat with them. We know this is a heavy topic and, and we attempted it without coffee, although I'm almost done my coffee now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm at the point where you have to uh, lean back sort of uncomfortably to get yeah, the cup yeah. up high enough. Right? Yeah, I'm going to make sure I don't bump my microphone stand yeah, as I yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and I, I would say the same. I, I would also say I hope that this... And working through the catechism all together encourages people into a different state of mind about their faith, mm-hmm. right? I, I think too oftentimes we've become uh, we've become lazy mm-hmm. in the way that we learn about the Christian faith, Christian doctrine, mm-hmm. and God Himself, the Bible, and the idea has always been 
if it's not low hanging fruit, then it's no good. Yeah. Right. You have to dumb down. You have to uh, keep it simple and all of that kind of stuff. In doing that, we have only a shallow understanding of who God is. And, and if God is not only the creator of all the universe, but if he in himself is infinitely beautiful and desirable, mm-hmm. then the deeper we dig into him, the more beauty we are going to find and the more desire we are going to have fulfilled in us as we come to understand him. Yeah. Right? Do not fall for the trap of settling for the low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that is to your demise. Yeah, the stuff the stuff higher up that is not simply for the learned and for the theologians and for the pastors alone. I mean, and if you think of like who the disciples were, they were simple regular uneducated men, right? And now they spent significant time with Christ and they were slow learners and some of the stuff took time to really sink in, but but they became I mean, they became men who would end up writing parts of scripture. Yeah, and I this this is another area where I I struggle in uh, in that argument of of well it, it gets a little bit heady. We have in our congregation people who are experts in their field. Oh yeah, doctors, lawyers, engineers, engineers. Um, we have teachers of other subjects. Yep. Um, and and not only that, you you get into like those are all sort of like university based, but you have people who are experts in things like auto mechanics, mm-hmm. right? Plumbing. Where they are studying their field and they are learning and expanding their knowledge in those fields. Mm-hmm. This is not because we are not smart enough. Mm-hmm. It, it, the problem is just that we're not trying to teach it and we're not trying to learn it. Yeah. The issue is not that it cannot be understood, right? Like sometimes sometimes I people come and they're like, uh, oh, you you talk about these things that I I would never understand because you have a degree in theology. No, it's because I've read the books, mm-hmm. right? It, it it can be learned. I'm living testament to the fact that it can be learned, and mm-hmm. and you don't have to have a a formal education to learn it. These oh, yeah. are things are accessible and available to be learned, especially nowadays. Yeah, especially nowadays. And to be fair, men, yeah, we become experts in hobbies. Yeah, more sports right? statistics. Like we we get we get hyper focused into hobbies, <laughs> and we become experts at ridiculous levels. It's true inside of hobbies. It's true. I apply some of that. Yeah, and grow, mm-hmm. and you, your family, your church will all be better for it. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada, and is produced by Alex Walker. Have a good day. Take care, everybody.